Hello, and welcome to show number 2341 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman-Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Normally, we talk to you guys about what disabilities we uh, support, and it's our general four pillars, vision, hearing, physical, and motor, and cognitive Well, this year, we've actually added a fifth pillar, and that's speech. And under speech, there is a new feature called Live Speak. And that is today's guest from Apple talking about all of the accessibility groups that Apple makes their applications and devices accessible for. We normally talk about the visually impaired, but... Really, accessibility to Apple is a lot bigger of an effort. We'll speak with Dean Hudson, an accessibility evangelist at Apple, about the wide range of accessibility features that exist in their latest release of iOS number 17. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip is a handy feature on Apple Watch and comes from Dean Hudson. So this is a tip for the watch, and it's called auto-speak. So if you have the setting on, and I believe the setting is raise, wrist, speak, something like that, you normally hear the time. But if you touch on any of the other complications within the watch face, say like calendar, you can swipe up on that, and you'll get a bunch of different options. But one of the options is auto-speak. And so next time you raise your arm, you raise your wrist, you will hear the time plus your next calendar event. So you can set this for any of the complications for weather or for messages. It's a real convenient way of hearing a little bit more information a little bit more frequently than you otherwise would. Oh, that's neat. So you don't have to go through multiple actions to hear the complete text of what you want to hear. Right. You don't have to swipe through the complication, find the complication, and then, yeah, so it's just a quick way to check. A lot of times for busy days, that's really nice because, you know, you want to know what time your next meeting is. Do you have enough time to get there? And did anyone cancel? So it's a really good feature. Speaking of the watch, one of the features that I really like on the watch is the tap-tick time feature. And what that does, it vibrates the time to you so that you can tell time silently without having voiceover disrupt anything that's going on around you. And the way you do that, first of all, you have to set it up in the watch app under clock, under tap, tick, time, turn it on or off. And if it's enabled, the way you use it is to put your finger over the watch face, tap twice, And then you will get vibrations telling you the time in hours and minutes. And I think that's a great feature and a really subtle way of telling time silently. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... Clusive, an e-learning platform built for the blind community to learn technology, occupational, and career skills to help you reach your employment goals. More information is at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusive.io. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 
Let's start by meeting Dean. We've had today's guest with us on Eyes on Success several times before, and he always has something interesting and new to tell us about what's new with accessibility in terms of Apple devices, particularly iOS. And that's what we'll be talking about today. So, Dean, remind our listeners who you are and what you do at Apple. Yes, good to be here. My name is Dean Hudson. I've actually been working at Apple since 2006, and uh, my current role is sort of a part of the social initiatives at Apple. So I am an accessibility evangelist, which essentially means I work with other teams at Apple to make sure they are meeting accessibility standards that we have in our products. And you're a perfect person to be representing the visually impaired community because you've been visually impaired for a long time. Yeah, visually impaired most of my life, born in that way, but uh, lost my vision when I, later in life, around 19 or 20. But I not only represent vision, but also other disabilities, because we, we want to design for everyone. It's sort of our motto. So It is amazing when you look at the accessibility features built into these devices these days. It covers a wide variety of accessibility issues, doesn't it? Yeah, and this year... Even going through the setup process, when you take your device out of the box, you're ready to set it up, there are accessibility settings right there that you can turn on so that when you go to the home screen, you've already got your accessibility features enabled and ready for you to use. So really excited about that. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the latest in accessibility features in the recently released iOS 17 from Apple. And that includes accessibility to people with problems in vision, hearing, speech, motor, and cognitive areas. Well, Dean, let's talk about some of what's new in iOS 17 and other devices that you want to talk about today. What is the most exciting advance or change in iOS 17 that was notable to you as a visually impaired user? Well, if you don't mind, it's been a couple of years since we've talked. I'd like to quickly point out some uh, features in 16, and that will kind of flow over into 17. Sure. One of them is sort of the text checker. And this is particularly valuable for screen reader users when you're trying to develop and write a document because it will let you know when there are double spaces or double caps, little things that are hard to get out of a screen reader. But we sort of do that for you as you're reading through the document. And what I'm finding out is that when I look through other people's social posts or other documents, I'm noticing there's a lot of these things. So I don't think it's a blind thing. It seems like everyone seems to want to put two spaces after a period or double caps from Word. Um, so that was really big. Uh, also, though, in 16, we introduced some new synthesizers and, and actually specifically 20 different languages and locales. And that's great because that means voiceover users can hear the language that, that they speak in the synthesizer, including eloquence. And I like 
the eloquent speech synthesizer myself. As nice as some of the human synthesizers are, sometimes the more mechanical or digital ones like eloquence are easier to listen to at faster speeds. Yes. Well, you and I cut our teeth on things like eloquence and deck talk. So that's for sure. <laughs> In 17, though, that's only gotten better, right? We have gotten um, the quality improved and the Siri voices are a lot more natural to listen to. We introduced things like pitch range and even the feature I really like uh, in some of the voices, you can opt to have pauses between sentences. And that's really important if you're reading long text. It's, it's really cool to have it sound as natural as possible. And this is not just for voiceover. You can use this for spoken content as well. So really, really good. And then the other thing is, I think by now, most folks know about Magnifier. Um, but we've added in uh, iOS 16, a detection mode. And there, uh, we've talked about you know, first, let me say that Magnifier has been great for our low vision users because you can use it to magnify menus or just reading your mail. Uh, you can change filters and have flash if you're in a dimly lit room. But then the detection mode does some things that's uniquely for uh, blind users. So if you want to detect what's going on around you, you can turn this on and it will give great descriptions of what the camera sees and reads that out to you. And then we also introduce later this people detection, right, for COVID and stuff, when you needed to stand in line. So this tells you how far away someone is from you so that you can stand away from them when you're in line. Exactly. Yes. Because uh, when you're blind, you don't actually know how far you are or if you're close to someone. And back in those days, it would be considered kind of rude. Not until you smash it into them with your cane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, then came door detection, which was very helpful in, in letting you know what a uh, where the door is that you need to get to. And it's not like blind people have never been able to, to detect doors. We do that pretty well. But this gives you more information about what's on the door, like signage and uh, the position of the door. You know, it's really interesting about that magnification mode. As a person with no usable vision myself, I've always ignored the magnifier, except for some of our Eyes on Success shows where we want to talk about it. But I recently found out about some of these capabilities, and there are some really cool capabilities that even a person with no vision would like to use. Yes, yes. And in addition, so Pete's totally blind, and I'm fully sighted, but... You know, I and our friends who are also in their 60s and 70s, you know, we find if you go into a dimly lit restaurant with a small print menu, there's no way any of us is going to read it unless we brought our reading glasses. And so even as fully sighted people, we make use of the flashlight or the magnification just to help out in difficult situations. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great for that. So you've caught us up on iOS 16, and I guess these accessibility features continue to improve in iOS 17. They do continue to improve. So some of them I've mentioned, but yeah, the latest is the what we call point and speak. And so this is using machine learning, your camera on your phone, 
as well as LIDAR to detect where your finger is. And what you, how it works is if you put your finger, point towards some text, either on, say, an ATM machine or you know, a device that doesn't have any uh, labels that you could see, it will read out the text of those buttons to you as a user. So it's a very powerful new technology sort of built on the back of all the other stuff that we've done with machine learning. And you do have a lot of machine learning functions built into these iOS devices in general. One of the, my favorite ones is to use the viewfinder in the camera to find out what's in a room or what you're looking at. And that's a very simple way of figuring out what's around you. Again, using machine learning to identify objects and where you are. Yeah, you can also use it there. The only thing about the camera view is that its goal is try to help you take a picture. So it'll occasionally interrupt with tilt left, tilt right. And, you know, you might not want that as part of your... So that's where they build a separate detection mode that you can then be free of those hints. It is a little bit quieter in that separate detection mode, as I yeah. found out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're totally building on top of that. And again, this is stuff that comes with the hardware. You know, there's another team that does work on machine learning and artificial intelligence. And accessibility is there to sort of harvest that in to make something very useful for our users. So whenever, you know, there's a keynote and someone's talking about how great the camera is and all these things you can do. And, uh, you know, people who are visually impaired might think, well, who cares? I don't use the camera. But cameras actually help pushing some of these features along. So some of these things like point and speak make those very, very useful. So I'm always interested when they talk about hardware improvements in the camera. So what other interesting features would you like to highlight for people in iOS 17 or even 16 that they might not be aware of? Well, okay, so we have another feature. Uh, so let me back up a little bit and talk about, so normally we talk to you guys about what disabilities we uh, support. And it's our general four pillars, vision, hearing, uh, physical and motor, and cognitive. Well, this year we've actually added a fifth pillar, and that's speech. Um, and under speech, there is a new feature called Live Speak. I think that's the name of it. And what this is, is for people who have difficulty speaking or, you know, lost their voice uh, completely. And what you do is you type in the text that you want spoken. And you can either have our synthesizers read it, or you can actually create your own personal voice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's all on device learning, so it stays on your device only. If you wish to opt into secure iCloud, then that voice would be on all of your devices. So it works on both desktop and iOS. Give us a quick run-through of how that works and how someone might set that up. So how it works is to create your voice we will present you with a series of phrases that one needs to speak. And just to let voiceover users know it's completely accessible, the voiceover will read out that text. And then when you're ready to speak it, you press a button and speak the text. There are, it will take you about 15 minutes to get through. These are, I won't say random, but they are not the same phrases. So it's not like I can go and see what phrases it gave you and then try those phrases. No, these, these phrases are generated just for me, the user. 
once that process is completed, then it goes away and generates a voice based on the data that you gave it through your own voice. And there you go. You end up with your own personal voice. And just so people aren't surprised, I take it that process can take several hours or overnight until your voice has been munged by your AI algorithms and computers over there until you can use it, right? Yeah, I, I typically set it and forget it and just wait till I get some kind of notification that I have a voice ready. <laughs> so you've tried it? How do you like it? Oh, oh yeah, I've definitely tried it. Um, no, I, I think the the thing that is sort of hard to do is trying to figure out where to accent words. Like, are you going to the store today? Are you going to the store today? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Uh, so some phrases could be sort of spoken differently depending on what you're trying to communicate. So that's kind of the thing that I always find very interesting. So I assume that if the person in question, their problem is that their speech is no longer understandable, they can use a synthetic voice instead of this. Yes. So design your voice now while you still can, right? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of been the request is, I, you know, I know that I'm going to lose my voice or some aspect of it. And, you know, I want to capture that for, you know, future use. Even Frank Sinatra's voice wasn't so good as he got older, right? <laughs> Voices do change. Yeah. Yeah, they do change. Needless to say, Pete just had to try out the live speech feature. Let's pause for a quick demo and give this personalized voice a try. I created my cloned voice according to the directions, and this is the real Peter speaking now. Now let's hear what the cloned voice sounds like. Okay, this is the cloned Peter voice using the voice I created. Perhaps it doesn't sound exactly like the real Peter, but you have to admit, it is pretty good. And this is the real me back again, returning back to our interview with Dean. What other accessibility features has Apple been working on? Uh, lots of other little things. We did a lot of work in Braille. Um, over the summer, I had a great opportunity to work with some deafblind users who have some unique needs uh, when using their device with Braille. And you have to think that someone who is deaf their primary and only way of accessing the phone or iOS or even the desktop is Braille. Right. And when you live in that world, suddenly things get exposed that you might not have thought of. Simple things like if you uh, had to take a trip and had to put your phone in airplane mode, as a voiceover user, it's easy to go to Bluetooth settings and turn it back on. But if you're deafblind, you can't do that. So there's settings that we did to allow you to, the moment you connect your display, Braille display, VoiceOver will turn on, and you'll have Braille. Or in VoiceOver, you could set an option that says, hey, look, even if Bluetooth's off, if I turn on VoiceOver, Bluetooth gets overridden and it turns on. So some other things for navigation, like being able to type the first few letters of an application in the home screen, and VoiceOver will go to that application. And it just saves a lot of navigation for or a deafblind user. Oh, that's nice. That's similar to the magic search feature that you can pull up on the home screen and start typing in the first couple of letters of an app to find it, right? Yes, yes. Some little things like that, but they, they go a long way for that community. So, Tell me a little bit about widgets and how they might be used by the visually impaired. 
Yeah, so I use widgets to quickly glance through things. Um, I'm a big sports fan, so I have a lot of those active. And especially for the watch, I think they are very, very useful information. Uh, and it kind of ties into the tips, so I'll, I won't say too much. But for me, the most important things is like what meetings I have to go to and how can I quickly find that information? or as I said, you know, what's the latest score on the, uh, this team uh, that's playing today? Or when are they playing? Yeah, so that's particularly useful on the watch because there isn't a lot of real estate there to yeah. put apps on there. Speaking of the watch, last time we talked to you, you mentioned some hand gestures that can now be used with the watch. And I understand some of that may have changed or been enhanced also. Well, if you probably saw the keynote and you saw the, the new gestures they introduced with the pinch gesture, if you have been a watch user for a few years now, you know that we have this in assistive touch for the watch. And so if you turn that on in accessibility, uh, you would be able to not only uh, do a pinch gesture, but you could also do a clinch with your fist um, and you can do pinch with either your index or your ring finger and you can actually navigate the watch using those gestures so that was something we introduced a couple of years ago um, but this year it was sort of brought to the mainstream so that's kind of cool and i take it there are defaults for all of those actions can you customize those as you can the swipe gestures on the screen customize by creating your own or just changing what they do changing what they do yes you can yes cool I must say, on a slightly different topic, I finally picked up a pair of Apple AirPod Pro 2 AirPods. Okay. They are tremendous. They are fabulous. We got two pairs. Wow. I was really impressed with the sound cancellation. I was thinking, when I exercise on my treadmill, it gets really loud. And I had been turning on the stereo speakers to overcome the noise of that so I could actually hear a podcast. And, you know, I can never quite hear the podcast as I'm exercising and my feet are pounding and the motor's grinding on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. I got these things. The whole world goes away. And it was so easy to hear every word of the podcast. I was really impressed. And then in addition, you have the transparency mode or the adaptive audio mode that lets you hear the outside world if you need to. So when I got off the treadmill, I turned it on. I could hear where I was in the room. Yeah, I have the Pro Max ones that come for the whole air, so I get no thing from the outside. But, you know, if I'm trying to walk around the house while listening to a movie, that could get dangerous. So I... uh I tend to let some of the sound in. <laughs> right. Yeah. As a blind person, you really want to be aware of your surroundings. So I only put on the noise cancellation when I'm standing still or in one place like the treadmill or on my exercise bike. But as soon as I start moving around the room, I want to know where I am and, and what's around me. Yeah. But I thought it was also interesting. You have that mode on those devices that if someone is speaking, that will cut through and be heard. Yeah, so it lets you focus in on the conversation. So yeah. that's the that's a really nice thing about that. So I think I'll no longer be taking my Bose uh, headphones on airplanes because they're just so much more bulkier than the AirPods. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, sir. Nice. Well, keep up the good work, and I'm always impressed that you always come up with new features that are useful for all kinds of people every year. It's kind of hard to believe there are still new things to be improved on. Yes, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out. (laughs) There's a myriad of new features all the time, from big to small, yes. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about accessibility of Apple products and how to contact their accessibility team. Well, Dean, if people want to find out more about some of these accessibility features, where can they find out more? Where is some of this documented? So you can go to apple.com slash accessibility. uh, And you can also go to some of our Apple support pages and social media pages to find not only documentation, but uh, some how-tos and some good information about the feature and a little bit more more detail about how these features work. And is there a special place where people can get either a chat or talk to somebody about accessibility issues at Apple? Yes, there is. You can send us an email that would be accessibility at apple.com. That easily comes up in my autocomplete. <laughs> yes. If somebody had a question for you, is there a way they can reach you? I usually usually just tell them to reach out to accessibility. If they wanted to reach me, there's a very good chance that they could reach me through the folks that handle those emails. That's fair enough. You'd probably be inundated if you gave out your, your email address. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do. If if there's something that someone needs that's very specific, then absolutely. We definitely want to, you know, have a great line of communication with customers because that's the only way you're going to really hear some of the issues that are going on. We know that people use our products very differently. You'd be surprised. And the other useful resource that we should mention for Apple users of all kinds of devices and operating systems is the AppleViz.com website, where there are email forums on virtually any topic. If you have questions, you can get responses from lots of other users. Very good. Yes. Uh, They're very good at posting things, writing articles pretty much immediately after an OS has dropped. So you want something hot off the press, that's the first place I'd go. Not infrequently, we get notes from listeners asking how they can contact the people we interviewed or how they can find their website. And I just want to remind people that the show notes are a great place to find that. So, for example, for this show, if you missed any of that contact information, you can find it in the show notes associated with this episode, which is number 2341 at our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. And for listeners who do want to contact us, it's easy. Just send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. You can send us your questions, suggestions, and maybe even tell us a little bit about yourselves. That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about a game that was designed specifically for iOS. Jump into the world of fantasy with Timecrest. Get a chance to turn back time and save the world as you portray the main character in the Timecrest fantasy game from Sneaky Crab.
We'll talk with Justin Ng, who co-founded Sneaky Crab with Lisa Gu, about how they made the game totally accessible with voiceover and received an Apple Viz Golden Apple Award for Developer of the Year. Thanks for joining us this week, and join us next week if you want to save the world. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.